Hello, I hope everyone's having a great week so far and enjoy the nice weather. Sorry, there's a bit of delay in between podcasts. I just had a bit of a, a backlog, um, which is great thing. It's got lots of interesting people coming onto the show. I must apologise as well because there's some builders next door doing some work. So I'm really sorry if you can hear any noises. I've tried to get rid of them as best as I can. But without further ado, my guest today on Motorsport Now is Sue Sanders and I'll let her introduce herself, but she's a really important lady within Motorsport UK and she's been there, seen there, done it. She's got some great stories from my she competed please do listen to that because it's a hilarious story and she really has experienced things firsthand so without further ado I'll let Sue introduce herself. Good afternoon my name's Sue Sanders I'm the Director of Learning and Development from Motorsport UK. That's a very fantastic introduction thank you. Could you just tell us a little bit about how you got involved with motorsport? Well I will it's a very very long time ago um the only the only link I had with motorsport way, way back, which would be about 1972, I actually went to see a few stock car meetings. And that, that's that's probably not something everybody wants to know, but it was great fun at the time, White City and all those sorts of places. And um, coming back with an eight track CD in the car, playing the world's great, just a great big onion and all those sorts of marvelous things with fantastic, the smell of modern exhausts and so on. And I did probably about four or five of those in a year and then nothing. And then when I was just about starting to drive, I just asked my mum, I said, do you know, does anybody at your work know anything at all about motor clubs or anything? And she said, oh, I'll ask. And sure enough, there was a motor club about two miles up the road. There's nobody in the family that's ever done anything in motorsports. So I don't really know where it came from, but that was it. And I toddled off and walked into Potterton Newcastle Motor Club and thought, oh my goodness, it's rather full in here. I don't know a soul. I'll go straight to the bar and get myself a drink. <laughs> so how old were you then? 17. 17? Like you just, fair play, you just went by yourself. So yep. you started, did you do some navigational stuff, if I remember? Yeah, that? I did. Um, end of, about the, the end of 76, I, w- I just did a little bit of marshalling, but 77, um, the first event I was supposed to be a co-driver on was um, just outside Utoxeter to a place called Marchington and I got a company car but it broke down in the middle of Utoxeter. So I left it there with the hazard lights on, hitched a lift to a chap that wasn't going at all and I said well you ought to come because it's going to be great and it's a rally and come anyway. So randomly hijacked this man in the car and got him to take me to this event but of course by the time I got there I was too late to sign on. Now do not tell a word of this to anybody in safety because Yes, this is a really bad thing <laughs> but the only thing I could do I mean I was I was clearly too late to go in so you know one of the mechanics took over and was the co-driver for the day and I just toddled around and then somebody said what was going on and I explained and they said well do you want to come round with me I'm in the safety car in the zero car I'm like, oh yeah that'd be great yes please however it was a fiesta there was a driver and already a co-driver so the only place I could go was squished in the back holding on to the roll cage as we went round. Oh my god. And that was my first competitive event. <laughs> my god, you'll be I can't imagine what would happen now. <laughs> imagine, I know. So there's there's me with all my all my safety stuff now and that was my first ever rally, honestly. <laughs> I think out of everyone, that's the most unusual first event, being shoved into the back of a Fiesta and holding on to a, a roll cage, holding on for dinner. Yeah, and we went through the time controls and I had to hide under um, a coat no. in the back. 
can I just check you're definitely okay for this to go out of the podcast you're okay for that? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. I've learned I've learned a lot since then and I wouldn't do it ever 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 now I am much wiser than I was and I guess because I've actually done something like that it's oh my god how bad is that I mean really and truly it's not something it's just terrible in so oh, yeah. many ways but in my innocence I did it and I think that's probably one of the big things now for me, taking on so many responsibilities for safety as I've done over the last, I don't know, 20 years, is I know how easy it is for people in the throes of enthusiasm and excitement and innocence to go and do stuff that is absolutely stupid, which clearly what I did was. But I was innocent, I was enthusiastic, I was excited, and I did it. Well, that's just not clever. <laughs> But we've got to put things in place to help people not do those sorts of things. Now, you could say, well, look where it's got you. Hmm. Well, I don't know that sitting in the back of that fiesta holding on for grim death was exactly the way that got me into the sport. And it's not a good thing, but it does teach us so many lessons about how easy it is if we're not just vigilant. It really does. There you go. <laughs> well, that's quite a story. I did not know that. That's fantastic. Um, in terms of, obviously, back... I don't want to say back then because it wasn't that long ago but rallies and racing obviously has changed so much since then and have you seen there's been a change in the type of competitor that was competing then and now mainly the younger ones have you have you seen that is there different pressures is there different things that people are thinking about what have you observed kind of being involved in sports such a long time if you don't want to say I do think it's different I think there's still um, and certainly I mean my side is all is all rally as far as oh well rally and and trialing and a, and a bit of auto testing so so that's really my side so I'm not talking about circuits here or fixed venues at all um, but certainly if we compare then the 70s to now which, which is a big time span really I think the similarities are that there is still that same sense of camaraderie I think absolutely that's still there although from the outside it doesn't look like there would be because the vast majority of cars now that run in the top 20 or top 30 they're beautifully sign written they're so well prepared they're so expensive by comparison um and you know you could you could be and, and i was in it in a 1300 escort we used to finish in the top threes the top fives and it was a car that was driven to and from work every day and that just doesn't happen. Now, that's just not going to happen anymore. You know, we didn't have a trailer. We just drove it there and we drove it back. And if we had an accident or went off, we had to ask a friend to come and help us back again, you know. But th that sense of camaraderie then, I do think, is still there now, even though the stakes are so much higher and the costs are so much higher. So I think that the, there's that similarity and massive change. But I also think that the professionalism of everybody that sets up their cars, that deals with any part of it now, that professionalism is a much, much higher level. And so consequently, I think, you know, people do take it more seriously. And in between stages, um, I think they are very much more focused on, on everything. So fitness and health for the competitors, we wouldn't have thought about that. We'd have been out having a curry the night before and, you know, I won't say, you know, drinking or whatever. All of that, it was just a sociable environment where now I think everybody is so much more 
aware of the importance of physical and mental fitness. So it, it's, it's come on, on in leaps and bounds in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. No, I, com- I completely understand and relate to that quite a lot. You, you know, it's one of those things that you don't want to, if someone else has an advantage over you and it's fitness, then you've got to keep up with everyone. Of course you do. And in terms of your involvement with Motorsport UK, you've been involved with them for a long time, you said before we started recording. So yes. sorry to keep pointing this out about timing. but it's- <laughs> No, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, my, my, my first year as a marshal was, was 1976. So it is quite a long time. I am determined to continue to be a volunteer marshal for at least 50 years. And then I might be the first woman to have volunteered for over 50 years in the UK. Who knows? It would be nice. I would quite like to get that tick in the box. It may not be true and there may be others. And I would love to know if there are more women that have been involved for that long. It would be fabulous. We could create our own small club and I'd love it. Yes, if there's any marshals that are listening to this that are female and been uh, marshalling for a very long time, please drop me a message and get in touch. So, I mean, I think I started, so from the marshalling side, I, I just ended up doing more and more organising as you know, stage commander and so on. And then then I got the opportunity um, to really work through Jim Jones, who, who was then the clerk of the course for what was the Vauxhall Rally of Wales, the International British Rally Championship round. So it's in all North Wales stages and all those sorts of things. And I worked as the assistant secretary to the stewards. Very strange title, but it didn't really make any difference. But I was doing lots of stuff really for Jim in his role as clerk. And um, marvellous, he's he's 83, I think it is now. And uh, I had a message from him the other day and uh, he's still going strong and still doing well. Um, But he really gave me a great opportunity to step up because he said, I don't want to be a clerk of the course stuck in rally control. We've had this recently with stewards, of course. He said, I want to be out there. I want to know what's going on. He said, so I'm going to take on the job of rally manager and I want you to be clerk of the course. So he gave me the opportunity to step into that role way back at the beginning of the 90s. And that was probably one of the real big steps for me did that for a couple of years and then Eric Castle was another one who gave me a really good step forward been working with him on Lombard RAC rally I'd run stage commander for him at Trenton Gardens when it was the Rothman spectator stage with thousands thousands and thousands of spectators and oh it was fantastic then I stepped up to be his deputy um, and uh, and so that was that was fabulous to be a deputy regional organizer so I was kind of working with with the MSA, but through the Rally GB side, the commercial arm. Um, and then literally just as um, my daughter was born in 94, I was uh, I was deputy for it then. And he said, oh, I just need to ask you. He said, um, you, you're definitely going to be here for, for the, the RSE this year, aren't you? Yes. Well, that's good. He said, I've got to go to Macau for Formula One. He said, uh, you're it. Oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> everything always happens at once doesn't it <laughs> fantastic <laughs> but it was it was great so uh, I've had some really good support and help on the way through from lots of people and Eric's deputy win brilliant um he stuck as my deputy he was the big he was the big bear and I was the I was the little guy but we made a, a fabulous team as we were doing all the work together loved that absolutely loved it and then I started to work with some projects so yeah, I'm going to draw a breath. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve one. 
you've been involved for lots of different things as you've seen it very much as a competitor and then as an organizer and stage commander obviously it's a lot of responsibility do you feel having that experience has helped you with your work with motorsport uk oh massively because i can sit in a meeting and we can talk about some of the theories or the regulations and some of the background things we're trying to do. And I can see it from a lot of different perspectives and it helps enormously. I mean, the, the team at Motorsport UK now are, they're fabulous. I mean, every single one of them. And they work far too hard and the passion is high and, and it's incredible. Um, and it is so good to be able to have that real background knowledge of how it functions on the ground and I mean I'm still out there as a safety delegate I still work as a spectator safety officer I'm, I mean I love going and doing club stewarding on on hill climbs and so it's still fabulous to be out there doing normal marshalling duties and normal jobs and because I'm still actively out there I've still got current information and knowledge to share and and long may that continue you know I don't want to just be an office person no, it's, it's ever-changing as well, isn't it, as well? I guess you've seen quite a lot of changes from Motorsport UK from when it was the MSA. Yes, there have been. I mean, the MSA were a very, um, a very nurturing organisation in many ways, but they were very much the governing body. They weren't about commercialising the sport. They weren't about making, you know, looking to the much, much longer term. They were very much a protection uh, agency to look after what we'd got. And they did it in a very, a very caring sort of way. But that's not enough for now. I mean, that's not where we are. The world is so completely different. And we were right to have the change. And I think everybody knew we'd all been quietly moaning behind the scenes about this isn't right and that isn't right. And nobody actually put the finger on what wasn't right but then you know with with David Richards coming in as the new chairman bringing Hugh in as the new chief executive suddenly we can see that they've got this perspective from other businesses other commercial worlds other governing bodies of sport and they can see because they're standing on the outside that hang on this is right and this is right but actually you're not doing those things and we need the whole picture in order for the, the sport to be sustainable in the long term. And it wasn't. If we'd have stayed where we were, we weren't in a good place at all. So nice though it might have been, it wasn't good. Now, this, this whole change, really, it's been huge. It's been revolution, not evolution, but phenomenally good. And as to, in terms of your position with education, what's your kind of goals that you want to carry on with that it's quite a big question I'm sure you've got plenty of them but I don't me asking but is there something that maybe with the experience you've had from yourself and seeing how things have changed what is there something that you'd really like to kind of push I would like to see in let's say five years time for the sake of a figure at this point I would like to see that in five years time all of our volunteer and officials want to join our grading schemes and they want to do it because it's good and interesting and they feel proud to be doing it. And I want there to be a really clear pathway, which there is, but a pathway that is obvious and simple. There's a bit of duplication and it's not quite as clean in my mind as it should be. And we're talking to the Marshall's Advisory Group about that at the moment. We want to make that a much better way. So somebody with an experience from this side of the sport 
can actually transfer those skills where appropriate to the other side of the sport. So we want to make it much easier for people to join. So that's a big one for me, people wanting to be part of that scheme. Then from the competitor side, I really want them to know that if they start at an auto test and that's where they love being, there's a lot of support from, from the club and from the region and from Motorsport UK, but that then if they actually want to progress, they can see how easy it is to move again across disciplines. Um, and I know that that's also got a lot to do with what vehicles and what regulations. So, you know, there are limits to what can go on there, but we ought to be able to provide them with simple ways of saying, you know, if you move from a club level event to a national level event, you need to know about all these regulations. You need to know these are the differences. We should be able to make that simple for them. And, and so I'd like those competitors to know that they've got the opportunity to develop through championships, should they wish, but they might not want to. And that's great. And that there's material and resources online for them to do that. So officials and competitors, just much, much easier and much simpler. But I would love more people to know what we do. You know, we talk about... If we go back to 2005, we ran a project called Volunteers in Motorsport. Huge amount of time ago, really. And we did a lot of good work then and laid down some good principles. We couldn't apply the solutions that we had then into today's world, but the principles still apply of how do we promote the sport? You know, trackside is something that has now come under the learning and development banner. So sport promotion and trackside is new. And I've, I've only been looking after that for the last four or five weeks. So there's a lot, a lot to find out about what our membership want from us and what new members who are not even part of us might want in the future. So we've just completed a series of surveys and I hope everybody's not gone mad with us. But we've done a competitor survey, a club survey, an entrance survey, and we've done a volunteer and official. No, it's needed. It's huge, but we need to know what people think. We know what we where we want to be in five years' time, but we want to know what they think in order that we can get there in their way, not just in our way. Because this this isn't going to work if we're telling people what to do. It's only going to work if they tell us what they want and we make it work. Then so. It's a huge list. We've, we've had over 6,000 responses so far. It's wow. fabulous. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, so there is still a chance for, for people to reply till the end of the weekend, but uh, really, really brilliant surveys. Volunteers, officials, marshals, you know, clubs, everything. So until we've got that information, we can't put the detailed plans together. How can people access these surveys? Was it on the website? Has it been sent out via email? All of those have been sent out by email to every single one of the different, either license holders or clubs or regional. So everybody's had them and the regional association have redistributed them. So everybody should have them. I hope they haven't put them in the junk box or deleted them. That's the only thing. Because we will have sport delivery plan. We're going to have the draft plan based on their information will be ready early June. Okay. And then, so we, then we start absolutely we don't want to waste any time so we want to then start to say right what's going to happen this year and then what's the longer term plan I mean we've already done a quick what I call a I can't really I suppose I can a quick and dirty survey about <laughs> COVID-19 um 
because we wanted to know what the situation was for clubs. So we, we did that. We got the results back from that a week ago and we're starting to implement their ideas as of next week. So we needed that quickly. So, so that was kind of separate to this big long-term development plan. So there's lots and lots and lots going on and it's great. Has COVID-19 given Motorsport UK and maybe yourself just a bit more time just to actually look at things differently? Or have you just been flat out? <laughs> it's allowed you to look at things differently and it's brilliant. It has not given us any more time at all. I think every single person I've spoken to and everybody I'm working with, because we're on Zoom meetings constantly, we're all saying we are working harder and longer hours than we did when we were in the office. And I think we're all looking forward to going back to work for a rest. Um, so, I mean, we can be on calls from like eight o'clock half past eight in the morning and we're still there. Because you're on a Zoom call, you don't have the time to actually do the work. So you have to wait till you've finished to get back to work afterwards. But yes, um, so John Ryan, who is our, it's a wonderful title, Sporting Safety and Technical Director, I've got all three at the moment, um, he is heading up a, a group of people with our senior management team and our executives. Uh, so we've got Ian Davis and Cheryl and Dan Parker and James Betchley in there, all feeding in. We've got regulatory council, Jamie Champkin in there as well. And we're bringing in all the relevant external stakeholders to help us look at how can we restart the sport, depending on what Boris says on Sunday. <laughs> so... No, it's not. We can't say what it is yet because we don't know what he's going to say. But a massive amount of work is going on with discipline chairs. So they're all feeding in. Um, so we're well on the way with things like race. Um, next, we're going to be looking at hill climbs and sprints and those sorts of things. And you know, loads of progress. And as soon as we can, you know, we're going to we're going to be able to share that. But that's a really good piece of work. So many things, we've updated the websites, we've made the, the YouTubes, there's lots of places now that we can look on the website for resources. The YouTubes are organized in a good way. Our bulletins out to each of the different member groups are happening more regularly. So it's really helped us to focus properly on what the membership want. So yeah, it has been good, but it's definitely been busy. Yeah, it sounds like, because I spoke to, to Ben as well, Ben being out before, and he has kind of slotted to be in between meetings, actually. So I can see you guys are really busy. It's, it's so positive. It's so nice and refreshing to hear, actually. I think when I first had my, well, my first communication with um, was then MSA, was a package when I was applying to do my cart license. And it was literally just this, all these books I was trying to read and to revise from. I got my license and I can't really remember any communication then apart from once a year just to renew my license. And now there's been a lot more emails, a lot more interactive stuff. And I'm really looking forward to putting out the survey, which I'm very pleased you've mentioned. So um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. But um, obviously it's, it's fantastic. You can see the improvements and it's really nice to hear your passion. Mm. Just ask you um, another competitor question. Could you tell me about your favourite event that you did? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, it was the, the Manx International. In, oh, no, gosh. That, no, no, that's what I made. No, I'll stick with this one. Um, <laughs> in an Austin Healy, three litre Healy. Um, and on the second day, um, the gear leader came off, so we had to, gear changing was done with a, with a spanner. <laughs> Sorry, I think it, the gear stick came off. Yes. Oh. 
So, yeah, Gear Changing Dump was done with a spanner, um, but it was a fabulous, fabulous event. The person who was driving Philbox, sadly, he's, he's passed away a few years ago now, but an exceptional driver, exceptional. Um, and it was, I think it was only the third event we'd done together, um, driver and co-driver. We'd had a, we'd been in an Alfa Romeo Guglietta before, which had been hilarious. Um, but we ended up finishing sixth overall, which was fabulous. And we had, we split the minis we'd got uh, Mikola, we got Rano Altonen, and and I can't remember the third one. So they finished third. They no, they finished third, fourth, and sixth, and we finished fifth. So when it came to going over the the podium, we went through sixth to let the three minis go all through together because it was you know you can't split the three minis up. That would have been awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> so yes, we were very proud of ourselves because we we beat Rano Alton, but we had got a three liter Healy. So fair enough. But that was a fabulous event. Really great. I can imagine you've got, I'm sure you've got so many more stories that we can definitely carry on talking about, but I think we're going to have to, have to uh, finish on time now. But is there anything else that you'd like to pass on to any competitor, look at, or someone who's not in motorsport who'd want to get involved? Is there any advice or anyone wanting to get involved with Motorsport UK? Anything really that you think is relevant? Yeah, I think if anyone wants to get involved in the sport, just do it because it is a big family it is really friendly and as long as you walk in with an open mind about what you might end up enjoying and don't go in with a fixed view of what you want to do there's so much that you can get enjoyment out of i genuinely think it is an equal sport genuinely whether you're a competitor or an official there's you know every single step of my way there's been nice people around in all walks of life there are people that are not nice but that's very, very minor in motorsport. We are generally a really caring, nurturing group of people. And, and it's wonderful. So whether you want to compete, you can get all the help in the world. Whether you want to go and be a master or an official, all the clubs will, will welcome you with open arms. So just dip a toe in the water. The Motorsport UK website now is much more user-friendly than it used to be. Not hard to have it. Um, but it is really yeah. And we, we're adding lots and lots of resources all the time. So from the sport promotion team, we're starting to build up a lot of guides for people about how to do things. And the same for competitors. So over the next, the course of the next two or three weeks, there'll be lots more of those put up. And uh, yeah, just give it a go. Absolutely give it a go. I think that's the best advice. And also you have led by example at 17 getting to your first event and then also when you navigated hitching a lift from somebody and just rocking up we're talking awesome. about everything again but <laughs> won't mention about this in the back of the car but that's perfect thank you ever so much Sue it's a pleasure thank you and I'm really glad you're doing these sorts of things it's uh, it's great people can find out what's going on from from all sorts of different sources so thank you for this too Thank you so much to Sue for coming on to my podcast. I really enjoyed having her on. I'm sure she's got so many more stories and I'd love to have a glass of wine sometime with Sue and hear all about her other amazing adventures. But at least you've heard from another point of view um, within motorsport, which I think is really important. So I hope you enjoyed it. Please drop me a message. If you've got any suggestions, any comments, I'd love to hear them. So get in touch on my Instagram, Motorsport. Thank you again to Forest Experience Rally School and Test Venue and to Group B Motorsport for being my podcast sponsors. Have a great weekend, guys.